This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. All right, sounds good. Today, we've got a very special guest with us. I'm super excited. We've been uh, looking to make this happen for a few months now. Uh, We're finally able to connect. Um, I'm excited about this topic because I believe that uh, while a lot of um, Christianity sort of shies away from um, the importance uh, of our calling um, on this earth um, as citizens uh, of heaven, um, that uh, just uh, I'm looking forward to the content and the context. Um, so today our guest, uh, Pastor David Tipton, with us. I'm super excited. Uh, brother, would you just introduce yourself again, tell the listeners a bit about you, your background ministry, and where you currently serve. Thank you, Brother Cooker. It is a delight to join you on your podcast today. Uh, my name is David Tipton. I was elected in April of 2009 to serve as the district superintendent of the Mississippi District United Pentecostal Church. Uh, Prior to that, I was executive promotions director for North American Missions at our headquarters in St. Louis. And then, of course, for several years, I was the pastor of the Pentecostals of Grenada, Mississippi. I also uh, am the vice president of the National Apostolic Christian Leadership Conference, which is a newly formed uh, nonprofit organization uh, representing three to four million uh, apostolics nationwide. It's in its infancy. And uh, we are just getting it started and off and running. So uh, a busy a busy schedule and a lot on my plate, but that's what I like. Amen. Praise God. So um, I- I'm very excited again about this, this topic, uh, Citizens of Another Kingdom, um, and, and talking about uh, things like, you know, uh, how Christians... Uh, are involved in politics, um, how our community, our culture, our prayer life, um, the things that even in our specific nation uh, of America, how we can impact um, our our culture and we can impact our nation. Um, and we're going to hear you share a little bit about your experience. Um, and, and again, looking very much looking forward to that. Um, so we can just go ahead and get right into it. Um, and maybe we'll just start there, uh, talking about uh, Christians and and politics, where um, you know a lot of people sort of shy away from it, uh, but how it, how important it is that we are actively involved. It is very important. Uh, it is crucial in today's world that we exercise our Christian citizenship and be a part of government if we want to make our witness our knowledge and influence count to some that politics they think is a dirty word. Uh, it is what you make it. Uh, politics really is just the art of, uh, persuasion or influence. And so I do believe that there are specific and effective ways to do this, uh, and to serve, uh, both here on earth, uh, and then of course be a part of a citizenship of another country, uh, which is ultimately heaven. Um, Paul wrote to the church at Colossae in Colossians 1 and 2. He said to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. So if you think about that, he uh, uh, what we have to grasp is that life in Christ 
and life at Colossae are not alternatives. God has joined them together, uh, and they are not to be divorced. So we are in Christ, and wherever we live, that's where we serve. It's a, a false interpretation of the Christian life to say that loyalty to Christ demands an exclusive involvement in narrowly defined church activities and meetings. We, we should be involved and engaged. And uh, I believe with all my heart that's what uh, Jesus meant by his vivid description of the Christian as the salt of the earth. So that's just to get us started here. But I, I just simply argue that the cross be raised again at the center of the marketplace as well as the steeple on the church. Absolutely. I, I think, and I actually was just, I, I mentioned this in, in the uh, previous interview um, this evening, um, how we, we, I feel like what, what has happened um, in, in this era is there's been sort of this separation of, you know, what is defined as secular and what is defined as sacred. Uh, of course, in that interview, we were talking about love and marriage, but in this sense, it, I think it, it still applies because if everything we do should be done in word and deed, you know, should, we should be able to, um, you know, be done in the name of Jesus Christ and everything that we do should bring glory to God. That means that every part of our life is sacred. Yes. Absolutely. Well, it is imperative that even in this day and hour that we live in, that the church be more and more involved, uh, involved uh, not only as a church, but individuals. So what was unfathomable in the first two decades of the 21st century has become a reality. Uh, religious liberty, both in the United States and across the world, is in crises. And uh, though this crisis was not created by a global pandemic, but it has been exposed by it. Right. So uh, I think that we need to be to prayerfully consider. Uh, obviously, I don't believe that politics is the substitute for prayer and fasting and good old um, church services and singing and preaching and evangelism and Bible study. But as we navigate the coming decades, uh, we, the people, must know our rights more than ever, particularly as it relates to the freedom to exercise our most cherished beliefs. Absolutely. And so just, uh, I, I remember, of course, it was the late 50s and early 60s, but I remember vividly when prayer was taken out of school. And that was done by one lady uh, single-handedly. And the church uh, got mad about it and got over it, uh, got frustrated and talked a little bit about the pulpit, but then just same thing with abortion. That 50-year injustice of killing millions of babies, the church just got mad over it and got over it uh, and allowed the, the government and the world to marginalize the body of Christ to try to contain it just in the four walls. And God's church has never done well just inside of four walls. Right. So that brings me to my first question. Uh, what, what can a Christian gain or lose by being involved in politics? Well, our founding fathers, and I know this is meant primarily for our parents, but it says honor your father and your mother. 
Well, I think that should apply also to our founding fathers. Our founding fathers, uh, it's all throughout uh, the Bill of Rights and the Constitution and as far as the hand of God and their admittance that God directed them. But there were so many ministers that were involved in the Continental Congress and was delegates. And uh, so they understood and come from a a world where their religious freedom was taken away. Thus is why they came to form uh, uh, what we now call America, or the United States of America. So thankfully for all those years and up until the early parts of the 21st century, when it is actually been exposed of, 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 an all-out effort to take away our religious freedom, uh, then we we have gained a lot by our founding fathers. But we have much to lose if we continue to um, just you know cross our arms and uh, kind of close our eyes like the proverbial ostrich and pretend that this is not happening uh, when all around us our freedoms are uh, eroding. So we got we've had a, we've gained a lot. Thank God America's been able to send missionaries uh, to uh, faraway lands because of our founding fathers and the freedom of religion and freedom of conscience and freedom of expression is inalienable rights uh, that was given to us by God, not by the government. Uh, however, uh, the new secularism and the new ideology, I say new, it's always been, but it is I think the pandemic exposed it uh, more vividly of what we are having to face. And I just believe that as people of God, uh, we need to just uh, stand up and be counted and uh, or we will lose more. Absolutely. We're we're certainly not gaining a whole lot of ground. Thankfully, we was able to see Roe versus Wade overturned. So I guess we could say that's a lot of ground to gain. But even now, the attempt to try to um, codify it uh, nationwide from our federal government is to take away the power of the states. Uh, in this regard, more so now, we need to uh, be aware of what's going on. It's great that Roe, uh, Roe versus Wade was overturned. But if we uh, stay asleep uh, as a body of Christ, uh, then uh, all these efforts of 50 years of praying and believing and uh, using our representative government and then the Supreme Court overturning it, uh, we can lose everything we've gained. So now more than ever, we need to uh, be conscious and aware and walk circumspectly. And, and if you read the Bible, and obviously we do, you will find God continually involving himself in the political practices of man. I mean, he made promises to Abraham for kings and nations, to Moses. He gave specific instructions on a political revolution during one of the greatest acts of civil disobedience ever recorded. So in the earliest parts of the Bible, we have where God was very involved in political practices of man. So uh, we're going to lose more if we stay silent. So we need to not be silent. Absolutely. So... And, and you, you touched on it just a bit there, um, but I, I, I kind of I would like to dig into that a bit deeper. Um, just just dig into some uh, scriptural uh, references uh, that verify 
um, or or enhance the understanding of the need uh, for Christians to be politically minded? Well, um, uh, again, just, just think about what the scripture we use a lot in Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Uh, if my people, which are called by my name, shall honor themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked way, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin. And sometimes we just quickly speed over that last part of that scripture. And it says, and will heal their land. So that right there lets me know that God's people should humble, pray, turn from their wicked way. He's talking about a nation. Um, he's talking about being involved in a nation turning back uh, back to God. Um, if you remember, even in the Old Testament times, the I believe it was a Shunammite woman that uh, uh, was it Gehazi said to her, said, to, "Shall I speak to the prophet on your behalf so that he may go to the king for you?" And uh, and she obviously had her house in order and did not need uh, the prophet to go to the king for her. But there's evidence in the Old Testament where uh, the prophet had a relationship with the king uh, and could talk with the king uh, and to influence, to speak to the king. Uh, even if we speak of um, New Testament, you, you know, Paul uh, was a Roman and they wanted to kind of sweep it under the rug. But... Uh, I believe it was in the 22nd chapter of Acts. He said, is, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? And so when the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and told him. And, and actually he was saying, what are you about to do? This man is a Roman. So if you check that scripture there in Acts, Paul didn't beg for his life or his livelihood. He demanded his rights. And Paul said, I am a Jew of Tarsus. And he said, I am a citizen of no insignificant city. And I beg you, allow me to speak to the people. So a close examination of that, Paul expressed un unashamed pride in his national heritage and citizenship. And you and I should too. We should never, ever be ashamed to be an American Christian citizen. So in Paul, Paul said this, and he had them on the ropes because he understood his rights. He understood his citizenship, even though as Christians, we are uh, pilgrims and strangers on this earth, and we are citizens of another world. But he also said, they have beaten us in public without a trial, men who are Romans. And now he said, you want to send us away secretly? So he refused to be freed by these corrupt officials. He, he held them accountable uh, for their actions. He treasured his rights more than his freedom. And you and I should too. Um, we, we should stand up for what we believe. And we have a right to do that. And it was given to us by God and not by the government. So, and... I, I apologize because I didn't really prepare you with, with, with this question uh, on sort of the, the guideline and outline. But um, while you're talking, it, it, it brings to my, my remembrance a lot of um, a lot of 
I don't know if it heat's necessarily the word I'm looking for, but there's a lot of contention. There you go, um, going on right now in Christian circles. Um, I don't necessarily know if it's apostolic Pentecostal circles, but definitely in Christian circles about um, people being uh, afraid of, of what's being called uh, Christian nationalism. Um, would you would you say that there is a there is a correct uh, way to um, go about uh, you know understanding our part in our nation as Christians? Okay. Um, from a biblical standpoint and our involvement with um, politics, uh, and well, I think maybe you had asked me to provide a scriptural reference. I mentioned one in the Old Testament when the Shudamite woman, uh, Gehaziel, had said to her, would, he, uh, would, she, he like, would she like for him to speak to the prophet so he could go to the king for her? So there are, and speak on her behalf, but there are several instances in the Old Testament where the prophet uh, had influence and knew the king and spoke on behalf of four other people. Uh, in the New Testament, one of the, uh, I guess one that sticks out the most to me was, uh, it's in recorded Acts 22, it is uh, Paul uh, made the statement, he said, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned. When the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and told him, saying, What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman. Paul didn't beg for his life or livelihood. He demanded his rights. Um, he, he went on to say what Paul said, and, and this is important because we can apply it even today. Paul said, I am a Jew of Tarsus a citizen of no insignificant city. And I beg you, allow me to speak to the people. So Paul expressed unashamed pride in his national heritage and citizenship. And you and I should too. Uh, there's nothing wrong with saying I am a, a proud American. And American is a great country. Uh, we should never be ashamed to be an American Christian citizen. I might add that uh, here's what Paul said. He said, they have beaten us in public without trial. Men who are Romans. And he said, now they want to send us away secretly. Paul refused to be freed by corrupt officials. Uh, officials. He held them accountable uh, for their actions. He treasured his rights uh, more than his freedom. And you and I should too. Uh, freedom can be lost in one generation if we're not careful. Uh, so here was Paul that spoke up for his freedom and his and treasured his rights and was willing to forego those freedom to make sure he had his rights. And I think that we need to do the same thing here in uh, in America. Absolutely. So I I know that you you would in the sort of. I guess I don't know if it was the beginning, but at, at one point you were talking about Roe versus uh, Wade and how um, you know the, the, that that being overturned, um, you know, 
and I, I wonder if you'd talk a little bit about what had actually happened uh, from your perspective uh, that led to that happening. Well, there were 50 years of prayers and legislation of many states, especially those that uh, were pro-life states, uh, every year uh, on, in the state level, and, and they would try it also on the federal level, but many states would pass legislation. Uh, fortunately, we were able to, uh, and I'm good friends that wrote the bill, uh, and with the support of our district board and district and the religious community here in Mississippi, uh, the uh, Dobbs case that went to the Supreme Court, uh, you know, obviously was uh, originated here from Mississippi. So it was a situation to where even here in Mississippi, the religious community, including our district, got heavily involved in seeing that this legislation was sent to the right. A congressperson, a right senator, a right committee, and got out of committee. We knew that it'd been, it would be challenged. Uh, we had the 20-week bill, the 15-week bill, and the heartbeat bill. So we just kept pressing forward prayerfully, uh, knowing that hopefully someday someone would recognize uh, the sanctity of life. And so, as you well know, the Mississippi lawsuit uh, which was generated here by the women's rights here for Planned Parenthood in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, challenged the the bill, and it made its way all the way through the courts and the appeals courts and the Supreme Court and was overturned, which it obviously gives states the ability uh, to write their own abortion laws or pro-life laws. Certainly Mississippi has one of the strongest or and is the strongest place, uh, the, the safest place for a an unborn child. Uh, while on the other hand, there are states that it would not be a safe place to be an unborn child because abortion is readily acceptable. But I I can live with that because we can still continue to prayerfully in those states that have pro-choice um, strengths that we can be active in trying our best to get people elected in those states that would represent life. So it certainly would not have happened had not uh, we in Mississippi had got, not got involved to see that done and how many millions of babies' lives have already been saved because the religious community was active in, in, in seeing this come to pass. Right. The, the sad truth is that America hasn't paid careful attention to the truth we want to know regarding the churches and involvement in the town square and the arena of politics. And obviously this, that's what the left would like for us to do. They would like to marginalize the church, push out, push us away and just tell us to stay in our four walls. And so we've drifted away like the Romans, the French, and many of our ancestors in the United Kingdom. So <clears throat> those of the Christian faith typically and thankfully, I see an awakening, and I see more and more people wanting to get involved by seeing more Christians elected to local offices and statewide offices. And so, but the, the, those of the Christian faith typically have been more reactors than initiators in the political process. And we need to be more initiators than reactors. So we, we need to, uh, particularly as it relates to the freedom to exercise our most cherished beliefs, 
Brother Crooker, we need to be armed with a proper understanding of this country's rich tradition of religious liberty. We can protect faith through any crisis that comes our way. So I just simply argue that the cross be raised again at the center of the market marketplace, as well as I said earlier, the steeple of the church. Uh, and this is something I guess you can tell that I'm very passionate about, but I'm recovering the claim that Jesus was not crucified in a cathedral between two candles, but on a cross between two thieves on the, on the town garbage heap at the major intersection of the world, the wow. crossroad so cosmopolitan that they had to write his title in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. And that's the kind of place where cynics talk smut and thieves curse and soldiers gamble. But that's where we need to be busy. We don't need to be idle in the marketplace. And that's where even, if you remember, the slowful servant was thrown, uh, I believe the scripture, I think it's in Matthew, but he said, why stand you here idle in the marketplace? Wow. So, so there's just a, uh, even during this pandemic, this stuff that's creeping into America that says, look, if you want to have a good life, you want to advance it, and you want to keep your job, then you need to sign on to this ideology, or will this woke community or culture will cancel you. And so if, and so if you don't do what they want to do, uh, then you'll be on the outside. You'll lose your job. And, uh, you can't eat in this restaurant. Uh, it is shocking. Brother Cooker, that I read uh, somewhere the other day that in the, in late 2020, unbelievably, 40% of Americans say the anti-vaxxers should be punished and should be denied hospital care and increase their insurance premiums. And we've learned a whole lot since 2020 that not everybody was wrong. So the alarming reality is that many Americans rationalize and find ways to cooperate with Caesar through soft totalitarianism. So I, I, it just, I get, um, I get all stirred up because complacency is our deadly enemy. Wow. Yeah. So if, if, I know it was tough in the days when Nero was persecuting the church and they had the Colosseum full of spectators while lions would tear Christian families apart and these hungry lions would eat them. But you can't ever give up in uh, the, we know about the Roman Emperor's condemnation of the apostle to the Gentiles and everything, but it was stated, and I, I kind of get chill bumps when I, when I read this statement, but it looked like the church was losing. And here, here they were being annihilated and executed and made spectacle of. But it was stated that the day would come when men would call their dogs Nero and their sons Paul. Thank God I've lived to see that day. You don't see many human beings named Nero, <laughs> maybe a pit bulldog, but a lot, of, a lot of moms and dads have named their sons Paul. Wow. So, so along that same line, um, how can we as Christians make our witness, our knowledge, and our influence count? Well, first off, uh, we shine our light. My pastor taught me, my childhood pastor taught me, uh, son, uh, don't go around tooting your horn, just turn your headlights on. So our influence is by our consistency, the continuity of what we stand for, and building relationships with our elected officials. I have friends 
that are Republicans. I have friends that are Democrats. I don't subscribe to the ideology of, uh, in fact, I said this the other day, I'm, um, I'm not for the donkey or the elephant. I'm for the lamb. <laughs> so, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah, but um, we just, we have, we have to read the signs of the time and have a plan that will strengthen the church. So I, th- I don't want to be redundant, but you asked a question about strengthening our influence. Is I, I started shining shoes when I was nine, year old, nine years old. And I, I've, I've been on a lifelong journey of seeing how many friends and relationships I can make and build to create influence. And it is amazing of the, the doors the Lord has opened when I am intentional. And I, I make friends with people of all walks of life. And, and I look for ways to form networks of communications and find ways to collaborate. Uh, even I encourage our local churches here in Mississippi to invite a political candidate. You don't endorse them, uh, but endorse, I'm not endorse, but you invite political candidates to your church. Uh, it doesn't matter what party they're from because our congregations need to be exposed to the people that are running for public office of what they stand for or what they're against. And um, so our local churches needs to be involved. Uh, I fought very hard here in Mississippi three years ago to protect donor privacy. Um, And what uh, alarmed me and reason I got so involved with that because uh, just, um, just north of us, our, our sister nation, the Canada, because just because a restaurant owner donated $40 to the truck driver's crowdsourcing fund and then the donor list was leaked, then her and the fellow Canadians had their bank accounts frozen and they were harassed and threatened. And so we don't never need to say, well, it won't happen to us because it is. Parents are being called terrorists because they're speaking out in school board meetings. So every person, every Christian, every churchgoer um, has influence and can make a difference. So um, complacency and silence is deadly. Now, I don't believe in being rude. Uh, I, I, I believe that we should, as Christians, make friends with our elected officials. You'd be surprised how they... Uh, it, want you to pray for them they how they want a relationship not necessarily looking for a uh, a photo op but just a worthwhile relation uh with a, a elected official so the same practices and approaches that work well in human relations usually work well in the political arena right. so pol- political officials are just like any other human they love to succeed but they hate to fail uh they trust their friends and they're guarded around strangers. So I, I have politicians from both parties come to meet my office, wanted me to pray for them, seeking advice, and I don't betray their confidence. Uh, they trust me. Uh, they know that I am a conservative, but I don't go around bashing people that are not. I try to build relationships with them and build our credibility and increase our influence. It's a, it's a gross way to put it. But I believe when the elephant sneezes, everybody ought to catch a cold. <laughs> so that's influence. Absolutely. Um, but but I'll say this, political officials do not live in a vacuum. 
So they, the moment they reveal their desire to a public office, they're subject to scrutiny and publicity and criticism, and they're tantalized. So they they want people that they can trust. And so you'd be surprised how much influence a person could garner just by being in a relationship with their local politicians and then branch out your state politicians. And then, and then obviously your your U.S. or your federal politicians, they you'd be surprised how often that they would uh, appreciate your prayers. So um, you've written several books, and uh, one of which is called Faith freedom and politics um and i wonder if you could just kind of highlight because i want i want our listeners to pick that book up um but i wonder if you could just highlight briefly um some of the content in there and, and what they would find if they were to read it sure uh, and thank you for mentioning it they can go to uh, amazon and of course type in faith freedom and politics david tipton and purchase it on amazon or my website is www uh, onward-365.com they can get it there it's a quick read, it's a short read but I'm so passionate about this, I originally, originally just wrote it for uh, the people in our state and then of course it, uh, the more people more and more people that uh, heard about it um, it's it's in people even outside of our ranks that have ordered it and uh, uh, have stated that every pastor and every uh concerned citizen should read this book but just quickly uh some of the titles are all christians are called into politics uh and then i talk about the pastor in politics i list uh several things i mean just seems i have a book in my hand i list several things that a pastor could preach on uh without even endorsing a candidate uh abortion adoption business ethics uh, censorship, civil liberties, uh, religious liberty, uh, family services, discrimination, economics. Uh, there's uh, poverty, war and peace. Uh, there's all kinds of material that a, preach, a pastor could preach from uh, without even endorsing a candidate. So I, I talk about that. Uh, and I mentioned preaching on political issues. Uh, talk about how a bill really works. And then what you and I were just talking about, worthwhile relations with an elected official, um, participate in the process. Uh, I believe it's, it's shocking to me how many of our hyphen age, uh, 18 to 25-year-olds, college students, are not even registered to vote. And that that is just uh, simply um, – um, it's unacceptable because uh, – if, if, if just the Christians would get out and vote, um, we could actually make a difference in our great country. Amen. So we all. Amen. What, and uh, we're getting here to the wire, so, um, but, but I, I want to ask one more question. Um, because that's, that's, we're just getting back to the title of Citizens of Another Kingdom. Um mm -hmm. What does that, what does being a citizen of another kingdom look like, embodied, um, just just a, just a, just real brief, as brief as you can be. What what does it look like to be a citizen of another kingdom? Well, to me, that is your conduct. 
um, and living a life of integrity, uh, knowing that um, we are, I stated earlier, we're pilgrims and strangers on this earth. Uh, so we act like a citizen from another country, and that's to be a Christian. But while we are, yes, citizens of another country, um, I repeat myself, we still are given the 70 years, if we get that much promise, to have to live here on this earth uh, and be a citizen of the country we are born in. But once we are converted and we have our name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, uh, we are a citizen of another country. But uh, again, that does not. Uh, cause us to abdicate our responsibility and uh, um, occupy till he comes. And that's simply staying busy, reaching the lost, loving your neighbor. And your neighbor is not just the one next door. It's a neighboring state, a neighboring country. is loving your neighbor as yourself uh, and living like you're a citizen from another country. Uh, involving yourself. Uh, and try to get somebody to go with you. Absolutely. And, uh, so, well, you know, the Bible does say, and and I think I think throughout this whole uh, interview, um, it, it's been pretty clear that everything that we do, you know, follow peace with all men. That's what the Bible says, that, that we're to follow peace with all men. Um, and you're talking about, you know, being making connections with, uh, political candidates on, on on you know all sides and uh, being being peaceful because we're never going to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish here if we're always being contentious. In fact, we have biblical um, narratives where it tells us that uh, we shouldn't be contentious that 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 is sinful and uh, so. So it's just, um, you know, it, it's so imperative that we get a hold of, of the concepts that you're talking about here. And, uh, and I just want to thank you again for joining us on the podcast. This has been, this has been uh, an honor and a privilege. You know, so we're so happy that you, you were able to, to carve the time out. I know you're a busy man. Uh, you shared a little bit of that with us in the, in the intro. So just wanted to let you know that we appreciate it. Well, it's an honor to be here. In my closing remark, maybe on a little humorous side, but a comedian said he was once mugged. He was beaten up, his face blackened and bruised. And someone asked him, why didn't you fight back? His answer was, I started to, but I decided not to get involved. <laughs> so I encourage your listeners, and thank you for taking the time to create a podcast that's informative. But I encourage your listeners uh, to get involved, register to vote, Make a difference in your community, uh, and uh, have a rapport. It's with your community. It's the scripture provides an interesting commentary, even on David's success with people. It said, "All Israel and Judah, all Israel and Judah, loved David because he went out and come in before them." So that was relation building relationships with the people of God, and in in his community and country. Pastor David Tipton with us. If you're interested in picking up a copy of his book, Faith, Freedom, and Politics, you can find that 
at Amazon.com or on his website, www.onward-365.com. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.